0: <laughs> I got glue on my string. <laughs> That's the way that the world goes
1: round.
2: Well, hey guys, how's hey it going? There. Hello. Okay. How are you? I'm doing all right. We can actually say Happy Thursday for this one.
3: We can. Amazing. <laughs> and, and mean it. <laughs> and, and it's been it's been <laughs> no. so recent since I saw you, fellas. It's yeah. true. Yeah, it's doubling it up this under, week. Wish it was under different circumstances. Mm. Yeah, that's fair.
2: Listeners, please, uh, my apologies in advance because I'm trying to determine on on the fly what tone I want to take with this. So, we're, you know, we're figuring out as we go. That's what this, will, this whole podcast has kind of been uh, mm-hmm. since the beginning. But so this this Monday, uh, April 7th in the evening, we 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 learned the news that uh, John Prine uh, passed away, ultimately from complications from the coronavirus. Ugh. Yeah. Son of a
4: bitch. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Bitches. Um, right Seriously. No, it's it's it. I want to say it's hit me hard. And it has. Uh, it wasn't a surprise. We talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I've kind of been preparing myself for that. And, and as I was saying to Nick before the episode started, this is kind of doing this episode is something that I've kind of been trying to mentally prepare myself for for, well, since we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. John Prine is unabashedly one of my favorite human beings ever. He's definitely one of my favorite songwriters ever. And so I want to pay tribute to him. And, I, and I'm not sure <laughs> the word. I, I just feel like the, the words that I'm going to say in the next half hour, there's no way that I can come close to conveying how much the guy and his work meant to me. So, you know, apologies in advance for that. But, is that um, to you
3: or to the audience?
2: Because I think it's probably uh, to you. Probably to me, but a little bit to the audience as well. You I know, think the anybody will I, enjoy there's, this. There's there's, okay. a, there's a bunch of John Prine fans out there, and and if you are, you know, most of them feel some attachment to him. So so if I miss something or if I didn't play a song that you love, I mean, there's plenty of people out there doing this type of stuff. So you can find and listen to his music. It's out there, and and we'll always have that to go back to. But this is just my kind of personal. A uh, tribute to him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is this is officially going to be episode thirty-six of. You should check it out. And my name is Jay. And I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. Going to try to keep this episode pretty short and sweet, but um, just I wanted to talk a little bit about John Prine and and, and his history. He's a songwriter, uh, an American songwriter of of exceptional depth, range, uh, wit, humility, and beauty. Uh, I wrote songs telling stories of everyday life in America, promoting values that meant something to him not through grandstanding or uh, cunning rhetoric or big ideas, but rather through the power of simple words and simple ideas connected together elegantly. He has Mm. a quote that that I've gone back to a lot of times. I I am a songwriter. don't try to hold myself up against John Prime, but he's a, he's a pretty good person to aspire to- towards. Mm-hmm. And um, he, has a, he has a quote we'll about how he thinks about words within his songs. And he says, I'm really picky about syllables. I came from, and I come from the Chuck Berry school of, of songwriting, where you have to have a syllable for every note, and each syllable has to sound right. You know, so not only do the words have to mean something, but they also have to sound right to his ear.
3: Right.
4: Right.
2: And I think that's something yeah. he really does superbly well.
4: Mhm. You know, it's it's something that I wouldn't necessarily pick up on right away no. because it just rolls off the tongue so smoothly, you know, and and he does tell the stories so well
3: effortlessly yeah, that yeah.
4: you yeah, you don't think you don't think like, "Oh, he's also considering you know, like you saying that makes me think of you know, and I'm not the biggest. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a vocalist or lyricist aficionado like like you are, Jay. I would say that's one of your strongest suits as a music listener. You know, because um, you pick up on stuff that I always miss. <laughs> um, but I do know that that someone like Kurt Cobain, you know, he would change the words, yeah, just because he liked the sound of the word better and he was still able to convey the emotion right. even though the words kind of didn't make any sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Exactly,
2: exactly. And, and the longer version of that quote that I just read, he talks about doing exactly that. You know, if, oh, he, right if he's writing a line and and like there's a word in it that he doesn't like the sound of, he'll go ahead and change that word to something that he yeah. likes the sound of. Whether or not it actually makes any sense in oh, wow. the flow of the of the lyric, it doesn't make any doesn't make any difference to him. As he says, he doesn't have to explain the songs; he just has to write them and make cool. them sound good.
4: Well, that's a cool that's a cool way to look that's at. it. That's where Cobain
3: yeah. got it from. <laughs> <That's
4: right.
3: laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah, exactly.
3: yeah, Well exactly. So obvious now, right? He was
2: born and, and raised in the again. suburb of Chicago, believe it or not. And um, his his parents are from kind of Kentucky area. Uh, he learned about music. And country music in particular from his father um, he served in the army briefly in West Germany and upon his return to America and Chicago he he actually worked as a mailman and uh, wrote songs and and started performing them in his spare time around that time oh, wow! yeah so he's playing around the the folk scene in Chicago in the late 60s and he got uh, discovered by guys like Chris Kristofferson and John Prine has this hilarious story where, you know, he, he claims that he got discovered by Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert
4: was... I've uh, heard about that.
2: Yeah, he was apparently in a movie that he didn't like. And so he walked out and uh, went to this bar to get a beer. And he sat down and the guy said, well, you should, you should see this guy, this kid who's playing now. And Roger Ebert went back and listened to his set. And the next day instead of writing a standard movie review for the movie he didn't like, he just wrote a review talking about John Prine. Oh,
4: that's so cool. Yeah.
2: And John Prine says ever since then, he's never had trouble filling concert halls wherever he's playing. So he, he he thanks Roger Ebert. (laughs) Anyway. So, um, after he got discovered and, uh, he got, uh, signed and he released his self-titled debut in 1971. And that's just a straight up classic. Um, it has it kind of set the tone for the rest of his career it had songs like sam stone illegal smile angel from montgomery which has been covered by just about everybody mm-hmm. paradise a bunch of other famous songs and they were all original compositions it's just a remarkable output yeah. for a previously unsigned you know unknown right. artist debut
3: album
4: yeah,
2: and uh, of course he was hailed as like the next Bob Dylan and all this stuff, and he was kind of, he, he for a while was in this group with uh, a very young Bruce Springsteen as, you know, the next wave of Bob Dylan, and how the right. media was portraying them. Anyway, from then on out, you know, he's had he's had ups and downs in his career, remarkably consistent um, up until about the 90s, you know, when he battled cancer and um, started to have some more health problems, but great albums, great, great songs. I know about him. Um, I have a very close connection with John Prine because of all thanks to my stepfather, really. He sang John Prine's songs from basically when I was running around like a toddler, you know, I yeah. knew these songs as basically, you know, they were songs that we sang in the car. They were songs that we, he would sing to me whenever I was acting up. He always had a John Prine song to, to sing, about See. the situation that I found myself in. And it was oh, that, that way for right. my entire family. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but there have been songs that I've heard down the road. Once hearing them as an adult, I found out, oh, yeah, that was that John Prine song that that dad was singing.
3: Right. All those years ago. <laughs> right, after after right. having this weird visceral reaction where you thought you were in trouble. Right, right, right exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hmm.
2: <laughs> so I want to play some music. Uh, I want to kind of talk about John Prine's songwriting um, in terms of four different sides of of John Prine, if you will. He has sad songs, funny songs, poignant songs, and and there's this other category I'm kind of right now calling Dada songs, or like more abstract songs. Okay. So to get us kicked off, I want to start with kind of the lowest hanging fruit, the songs that most people know John Prine from, which are his sad songs. So, I'm talking about songs like um, Sam Stone or Hello In There or Souvenirs, all of which are absolutely brilliant and are brilliant poems about individuals or situations spoken very artistically and very plainly. But I also, in in, in playing some of these songs, I want to play some songs that maybe some people haven't heard before. Cool. So, this first one that I want to play is called Far From Me. And John Prine has, has described this as one of his favorite songs. And uh, I found a clip um, from 2018 of him playing... uh, Do either either of you guys know this YouTube channel, House of Strombo? That rings a bell.
3: It actually does sound familiar, but but for the sake of argument, let's say no.
2: Okay. I don't know anything about this channel outside of this particular performance. But I, I can't watch this video without bawling my eyes out. So I'm just going to play the, uh, the audio. This is John <laughs> Prine in 2018. This is post throat cancer and lung cancer. His voice is, is pretty weak, but he's still able to deliver a very um, moving performance of this song, which is just beautiful. And he's, he's, I'm going to include the intro to it where he's talking to Gordon Lightfoot, who is in the audience. Oh, and man. Gordon hmm. has described this as his favorite John Prine song too. So this
1: Let's is hear this.
2: Far From Me, uh, from 2018, The House of Strombo.
1: And uh, this song here, uh, I started singing at the, uh, over the the riverboat back in 1971 it was the first time I was playing down there, and I was playing like three or four nights, I guess I played all week long, and the second night I was there, my songwriting hero came in, Gordon Lightfoot. And, uh, <laughs> And I'd have to say you wish three beautiful women, too. <laughs> Sitting down at the front table there, right in front of me, intimidating as hell, you know? It's great to sing uh, to sing for my songwriting hero. Gore, do you remember it that way? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> anyway, this is for you. I know that night we went out and had a couple of beers and you were standing in the middle of Young Street singing the chorus to this, so this is for you Gord. As the cafe was closing on a warm summer night. Kathy was cleaning the spoons The radio played The hit parade And I hummed along with the tune She asked me to change the station Said the song just drove her insane But it wasn't just the music playing It was me she was trying to blame, and the sky is black and still now. Up on the hill, where the angels sang, it hey, funny how old broken bottle looks just like a diamond ring, but it's far, far from me. Building down the left that's nice, man. Good
2: stuff. And I think that's a really good example of some of, some of the detail that he brings. Um, I've seen another interview with him where he talks about how any of these songs, he has to start with kind of like a pearl, kind of like a, uh, some kind of touchstone that can ground the song. Mm -hmm. and that might be he he talks about it as that could be the ashtray on the table you know everyone knows a room where you have an ashtray on the table and then you build the song and the characters around that but a lot of times he'll make that first verse just about the ashtray and then the second verse you know he'll sing the chorus which is it doesn't make any sense until you hear the second and the third verse and then it explains Mm -hmm. the rest of it wow
3: so that's the scene yeah, or it gives you like a visual. Yeah, it's it's so cool.
4: I love it. The House of Strombo. Actually, I I, I remember now. I, I saw a uh, see they they do a series mm-hmm. of different performers, and I was watching this band Power Trip play at the House of Strombo. Oh, nice! Totally different vibe. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, <Sorry. laughs> but yeah, it's a cool. It's a cool. It's a cool uh, series. A nice production. Black and white. Yeah. Uh, video. Yeah. Very well yeah, yeah, produced. Yeah, it's really hit yeah. tip.
2: So let's talk about. Funny songs, because it, this to me, like I didn't learn about a lot of his sad songs until I was much later in life. His funny songs when I was a kid, I mean, they were just, they were everything. I mean, they, <laughs> they were right. like, like singing the car songs, you know, like that's mm-hmm. just what we sang around the house. I'm talking about songs like Spanish Pipe Dream, uh, Sweet Revenge, um, In Spite of Ourselves, hilarious song. Uh, Grandpa Was a Carpenter, um, I've played uh, Please Don't Bury Me before. He's got such a wit, man. He's such a funny guy, and he got a, such a funny voice and a funny way of delivering it. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of, I don't know, pseudo-country twang. You know, he doesn't have a southern accent in real life, but he sings it like that, and and, and he plays it up sometimes and plays it down, and mm-hmm. very brilliant the way he kind of modulates that, in my opinion. So it was genuinely difficult to try to pick a song to represent the funny side of John Prine, because that's a lot of them. But I'm going with Dear Abby. Now, this song, right. are you guys familiar with this one at all?
3: Yes, indeed. No,
2: I am not. You're not? Okay. So, nope. this was kind of like a weird cult classic, and I, I remember my stepfather singing this one all the time. And he says that he he wrote it while he was in Germany, because he found an American newspaper that had, a, had the Dear Abby column in it. And he just was reading it and saw how funny the people's stories were and how all of abby's responses were kind of these canned hackneyed (laughs) responses you know no matter what the people Mm. said so the chorus is dear abby responding to the verses of the different people writing in and each time the chorus is exactly the same thing (laughs) Um, you know your life is crappy deal with it move on signed dear abby so, <laughs> <Right>. gotcha. <laughs> so uh, this is <clears throat> from his third Cause album because
3: that, that's her chorus. That's the yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, this is Dear Abby.
5: Dear Abby, Dear Abby, my feet are too long, my hair's falling out, and my rights are all wrong, my friends they all tell me that I've no friends at all. Won't you write me a letter? Won't you give me a call? Sign, sign, bewildered Bewildered, bewildered, you have no complaint You are what you are and you ain't what you ain't So listen up, buster, and listen up, good Stop wishing for bad luck and knocking on wood Dear Abby, dear Abby, my fountain pen leaks. My wife hollers at me, and my kids are all freaks. Every side I get up on is a wrong side of the bed. If it weren't so expensive, I'd wish I were dead. Signed, unhappy,
2: unhappy,
5: unhappy. You have no
2: money. <laughs> <plan. laughs> you like? ain't you ain't. Like? Nice. If it weren't so expensive, I wish I were mm-hmm. dead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I wish I were dead, but I can't afford it. <laughs>
2: so that it's good stuff. I, he he's just a funny guy. What can I say, man? Um, yeah. So okay. Next up, let me do the let me do the bizarre or the dada category next. I'm calling it the dada category because he has a lot of these songs that. Uh, like we were saying earlier, if he has a line that makes sense in a lot of other ways, he'll just inject like a couple words. And again, this is probably just to make it sound right. And it just just Fs with your head because the rest of the song will make a lot of sense. And then it's just like, where did that come from? And it's, it's a very... It's not like abstract or like avant on like the level of like a Frank Zappa or something like that. Sure. But it's just... Bizarre, and I love that about him. He's got some really, really abstract stuff.
3: Does he ever? Did, do you have? Are there any interviews that you've read? Where it, I mean, does it all boil down to what you were saying before? Which is like this. That word just was the right word for me in the song. And he talks about how he writes in front of the TV all the time,
2: and mm-hmm. he he loves writing in front of the TV because it's just a constant stream of just information. And this is right. th- the song that I picked from for this is actually a good example of of that. It's called Lake Marie. This is such a I don't. I don't know. I, I, I alternate between it being a brilliant song and just like, does it actually mean anything? Did he did he mean anything by this? I think he did, but then it's like I don't know. So he starts out. This is a six minute song, and it's he starts out about explaining this story of two lakes. I believe in Michigan or Minnesota, uh, called the Twin Lakes, and one is called Lake Marie and one is called Lake Elizabeth, and he. Tells the story of how they were named by the in, these Indian tribes, and then that's the end of verse one, and then he sings the chorus, and then verse two he's talking about how he was out with this. Well, I'll play the song, and I'll explain a little bit more afterwards. Let's do that. I'll, I'll play. I'm gonna play starting at the chorus, going into verse two. Okay. So you get an idea of what I'm talking about.
0: We were standing.
6: Standing by peaceful waters. Standing by peaceful water, by peaceful water. Oh, 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 oh.
0: Many years later, I found myself talking to this girl who was standing there with her back turned to Lake Marie the wind was blowing, especially through her hair. There was four Italian sausages cooking on the outdoor grill, and they was sizzling. Many years later, we found ourselves in Canada, trying to save our marriage, and perhaps catch a few fish. But whatever came first, that night she fell asleep in my arms, humming the tune to "Louis Louie. Oh, baby, we got to go now. We
6: standing,
2: standing by peaceful waters. All right, so that's verse hmm. two. Verse three, he talks about this news report that he saw on the news about this kid getting shot and it's not really having anything to do with Lake Marie at all. And he ends that verse by saying, Do you know what color blood is on black and white T V? It looks like shadows. Shadows (laughs) like and then he like ties it back all the love, like spilling out onto the beach of Lake Marie. It's just it's these crazy images just like all over the place and they're kind of loosely connected by this lake
3: kind of i don't know it's brilliant stuff yeah absolutely it kind of reminds me of like shell silverstein's like giving tree kind of a thing where the tree the tree is just a is the setting for all these different things that happen in these different lives different times and Mm -hmm.
2: yeah yeah. That's crazy. I I never thought about that. I, that's that's probably a pretty good comparison there.
4: You could, it's almost like that song, like when I was seventeen, <laughs> yeah, and then when I was thirty-four, like it, it, you know what I like mean? It's like that, but the, the,
2: that's the, that's schlocky, right? Yeah, yeah. yes. These, all of these vignettes aren't necessarily connected to him in any way. Like right. they're right, just right. other vignettes. All well, it's
3: just that middle one. That middle one where they were trying to right. save their marriage. Right, and then but the but the first one is like probably where Lake Marie how it was named or something. Right, and then and then again like you were saying he just was watching something on the TV and was like there's my third verse because yeah. there's shadows <laughs> that looks yeah I could tie make that yeah yeah,
4: yeah. that's neat I like that the, I like that onomatopoeia though oh man yeah, well that was the other s- one I was gonna pick sizzling <laughs> can sizzling. I play that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love that song let's bring it up here.
2: And this was another one that my stepdad used to always say. This is the first time I ever learned the name, the word onomatopoeia. And we <laughs> used that in an oh, episode. Oh, really? How about that? The uh, A couple weeks ago.
4: Uh,
2: yeah, that's the Travis one. We were exact, talking about drums. Exactly, yeah. Yep. And that's yep. immediately yeah. where my mind went. Here's onomatopoeia. This is off of Sweet Revenge. 45 minutes,
5: 55 cents, 65 agents, sitting on a fence day. gonna rope off an area, put on a show from the Canadian border down to Mexico, and might be the most potentially close thing we can possibly do.
2: I love Man. that. It's just like this, this like happy little country song about putting together a band. We're going to go make all the pubescents wet their pants. It's going to be great. And then <laughs> he didn't have a chorus, so let's sing about onomatopoeia. <laughs> onomatopoeia. <laughs> I don't want to see mm-hmm. him speaking in a foreign tongue. Okay, so we've, we covered a pretty good range of, of what he does. The ones that get me. The ones that get me. Right. And, and part of it, part of it is his voice. I just know some of these songs so well. When we were in our 20s, I guess, John Prine hadn't really kind of had his resurgence yet. So when I would say John Prine to people, people didn't know who I was talking about, usually. They might know a couple songs, like Sam Stone. But I met this girl in my late 20s, before I got married, and uh, one of the first deep conversations that we had was about John Prine, and I just, it blew my mind that someone else knew about John Prine and loved have John Prine group. as much yeah. as I did, and mm-hmm. that, you know, I moved in with her about two weeks later, sure <laughs> sure <laughs> <do. John laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. absolutely, and I, you know, some of the fondest memories I've, I have of that period is we went to uh, see him in concert a couple times, uh, once with, with my mom and dad. Seeing him live, I, I can't control my emotions when I hear John Prine sing live. I just can't do it. I can't keep it in check. It's almost happened three times already in this podcast. I'm doing okay.
4: Hmm.
2: Um, but there's just something primal about his voice to me, and he could be singing about nothing, and a lot of times he is. Um, and it just, it just breaks me down. So the last category are these, the poignant songs, and these aren't necessarily sad songs. They can be, but mm-hmm. a lot of times they're hopeful. So this was another one of the categories I really had a big task in front of me trying to whittle this down into one song that I was going to pick. Some of the songs that I would put in this category, Angel from Montgomery Mm -hmm. is is a classic example. Paradise is another one off the same album. She is my everything. It's a beautiful song he wrote about his uh, wife, his last wife, Fiona, um, off of his second to last album. But the one I think I'm going to go with is called All the Best, and um, I think this is a really good example of how he's such a lyrical genius because he's taking a, such a simple phrase, I wish you all the best. And he makes that the chorus. And how do you build a song around that phrase and have it mean something? You know, after all the songs that have ever been written about love and relationships and feelings and and connections and for someone to take a simple phrase like that and imbue it with such—it's—it's—it's—I use the the word bittersweet with him a lot because I don't know there are parts of the song that's like he's being genuinely forthcoming to his partner or somebody, and then sometimes it's like oh that's a really savage kind of put down if you read it the right way. Mm-hmm. It's all of those things in mm-hmm. one song, and it's a, it's an absolutely gorgeous song. So I. This was my best attempt at a poignant song. And this is off of, um, I think it was 1991. Uh, this is off of The Missing Years. And this is actually produced by Howie Epstein, uh, oh. the bassist of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Huh. Yeah. So this one's called All the Best, one of my favorites.
0: love and happiness. I guess I wish you all the best. I wish you don't do like I do and never fall in love with someone like you. Cause if you feel just like I did, to walk around the block like a little kid But kids don't know They can only guess How hard it is To wish you happiness I guess that love like a Christmas card You decorate a tree You throw it in the yard It decays and dies And the snowmen melt Well I once knew love I knew how love felt Yeah, I knew love Love knew me And when I walked Love walked with me and I got no hate, and I got no pride. Well, I got so much love that I cannot have. Yeah, I got so much love that I cannot have. That's
3: a cool song, man. Yeah. Yep. That's a cool song. I f- I'm, I'm really I'm reading the lyrics as you're as you're playing each. Day's. Oh, nice it's it's really cool because it you know takes you into it a bit more but yeah that was a yeah the turn of phrase the way he used the, not even the turn of phrase but actually just the the sentiment all the different things the sentiment could mean and and how complicated it actually could be right right like encapsulated in like a right a story. I think
2: that's it like i there are times that i listen to that song and it sounds like oh he's kissing off an old lover and he's just being kind of rude about it but mm-hmm. then
4: mm-hmm.
2: if you, you can read it a different way and, you know, I hope that you don't do like I do, turn around and fall in love with someone like you.
3: Mm-hmm. That could be read a lot of different ways. That, that is like the, I mean, it, it yes, it's couched in like an insult, but it's also, it's also still saying like, I hope you're not hurting like I am. Right. Hope you don't ever, I hope you don't ever hurt like I do. Right. Like I do wish you the best. And when he debuted um, that song, he used to sing it with, uh. His wife at the time, I like guess a really sweet, hmm. sentimental love song. So, I don't know. Sure, the hurt's <sighs> in there, but also the the best wishes is there as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I think that's it. So, have you talked to um? Have you talked to Bill, your stepdad?
2: I haven't. I haven't. We have uh, as a lot of families do, we have like a, you know, a WhatsApp family chat. And you know, my sister, wrote that evening that he had passed. And kind of everyone has weighed in except for me and my stepdad. Because I think, mm.
4: mm-hmm. you
2: know, for me, like, I, I finally wrote a Facebook post today. Which, I guess that was... It just all seems very insignificant. It just all seems not enough, you know?
3: Sure. Yeah, of course.
2: But what, what could I do that is enough? So, I I don't know. I hope that just me talking about him and, and, and me you know, continuing to listen to him and try to be an apostle for him and evangelize how brilliant a man this this, this guy was, that uh, if some more people learn about him and it gives a chance for some other people to, to, to listen to his music, then I guess
4: that's the best I can do, right?
3: And the music lives, man. Right. It does. And
4: so will this podcast. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> yes, more indeed. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right,
2: guys. Um, um, they, I, I think I've said everything I can say. Do, do you guys have any parting... I don't know
4: thoughts well um, I would say that uh, no it's good I mean you know hearing you uh, get into this and and sort of reflect on you know the different sides of this artist you know I I remember a few months a few months ago when we talked about Neil Peart you know and Mm -hmm. that was kind of a nice kind of got that you know it takes a little bit of the burden off you know because it's sort of a black cloud it helped me I think just kind of you know yeah Say like, hey, you know, like that, you know, you you pull your thoughts together. You have to put, spit them out into the microphone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good way to sort of take a look at within, you know, and sort of see how this artist helped shape who you are as a person now. Yeah, for sure. You know, sure. And, and and where you are with it. And I uh, know I'm I'm really glad you got to you know see him live and connect with family, you know, and friends with uh, about about him. Yeah, and, uh, yes, for sure. You know,
3: yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you for bringing us along for this buddy i mean you've always had such a you've always i mean this is this guy's been a part of. it doesn't surprise me in the least that it gets you choked up because this this is an artist who has been with you your entire life so uh, naturally you know and and you're both you know hopefully this helps a little bit in like you know as as you're kind of processing all this and as well but it's also a you know it's it's paying respects the only way that we know how at this moment right which is the platform we've got so yeah,
2: I think yeah, you did, I did a great job. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. And just uh, full disclosure, I, in thinking about how I wanted to do this, I w- I was thinking, well, maybe I'll just do a solo effort. Maybe it'll just be me in front of the mic talking about talking about John Prine. And you know, I was talking to to Nick about it. And was, more importantly, I was talking to my wife about it, and she said, "No, that's a terrible idea. Please don't do that. Please don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you guys for being here with me and keeping me on track and and keeping me yeah, uh, man. me light and. Uh, it's great. So thank, thank you again, and uh, thank you to John Prine. And to go out, I thought I would play. If you need any more, rein, more reinforcement on how much this artist meant to me and my family, um, this was probably four or five Easter's ago. Um, okay. We had everybody over to our house, and something hit me. I, I decided that I wanted to have all of my family and all of the guests that were there at the house that day join me in singing a version of illegal smile. So we had everybody <laughs> okay. from the youngest kids up to, you know, the oldest adults all screaming out, uh, the chorus to illegal smile. So I wanted to play, well, I'll play all of it. It's my show. Right?
3: <laughs> it's, it's, it's your song too. So you can, you're not going to sue it. That's that's, <laughs> that's, that's <right. laughs> Sue us. All right, guys. Zoom. Thank you so much. Thank you, we'll Jay. see you. We'll be back with Thank a regular you.
2: episode on Thursday, next Thursday. And, um, yeah. yeah, hopefully, happy, happier times by then, I guess. Indeed. We'll see you there.
4: Later.
6: When I woke up this morning, things were looking bad. Seems like total silence was the only friend I had. The old meal tried to stare me down and won. It was 12 o'clock before I realized I was having no fun. Oh, but fortunately, I have the key to escape reality. And you may see me tonight with a real smile. It don't cost very much, but it lasts a long while. Won't you please tell the man I didn't kill anyone? I'm just trying to have me some fun. Last time I checked my bankroll, it was getting thin. Sometimes it seems like the bottom is the only place I've been. Chase a rainbow down a one-way street the dead end, and all my friends turn out to be insurance salesmen, oh but fortunately I have the key to escape reality, and you may see me tonight with an illegal smile, it don't cost very much, they last a long time. Okay. Hang it down. Well, I sit down in my closet with all my overalls, trying to get away from all the years inside my walls. Dreamed the police heard everything I thought. what then? Well, I went to court and the judge's name it was Rossman. Oh, but fortunately, I have the key to escape reality, and you may sing it tonight with an illegal smile. It don't cost very much, but it lasts a long while. Won't you please tell the man I didn't kill anyone? Don't just try.